And we are Garden Party. Good morning to you. I was just thinking we might go to the match, will we? Well, I don't know. The the day that's in it. Maybe that's all. They're the only options open for us. Although I did notice the smile on your face when we eventually got to say that there is a lot of dry weather coming this week. Thanks for the God. I see a lovely ridge of high pressure. That lovely big H you see on the the weather forecast there last night. So it's... uh, So that spells good news for gardeners. Oh, it does. It's it's moving moving, uh, northwards. So uh, hopefully we'll see it from Tuesday onwards. Some nice high pressure, which of course will bring sunny weather and dry conditions and possibly frost at night. And I see the, uh, you mentioned frost, I think, on Sunday night. Yes. So for listeners that have any tender seedlings, little geraniums or begonias or anything that they may have sown in the last couple of weeks that might be in greenhouses or tunnels or outside, do be, you know, be Just mindful. Be, yes. Yeah, that anything that could be damaged by, because we really haven't had severe frost this winter. Or no, very, we haven't. Very few no, I mean, I suppose frost. things were so mild. They're kind yeah, of, yeah. even, you know, January, growing, even yeah. Christmas, January, February. Yeah. But now the, the last four weeks, I suppose, have been a bit more uh, standard yeah. affair for this time of the year so for like tomato yeah. seedlings or geraniums or anything like that that might be slightly tender cover them with, with uh, garden fleece on Sunday night just to keep them protected and they'll be fine then after that but yeah it's good to hear the good weather is, is coming finally we've enough rainfall now to keep us going until June or July that's I think, for sure stage. and I definitely I don't know after last night I, I just this morning I noticed the it's roads were heavy. just in an awful, yeah, I think awful they, were, they promised an inch of rain uh, over 30 millimetres of rain so it's over an inch of rain oh, I'd say it's there night. now yeah it's yeah. definitely there right we're going to look at vegetables and uh, the ve- is the veggie pods for the children well veggie pods yeah but but also like uh, we, we featured the potatoes last week mm. in terms of St. Patrick's weekend being the, the kind of of course today time. yes exactly this weekend is is that kind of uh, I suppose landmark in the it, calendar it for is. potatoes and I was just uh, looking this morning actually when the, di- the difference between sunrise and sunset now we've nearly got 12 hours of 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 uh, light, so um, we're coming into the time of year for the sowing of vegetable plants in particular, and many of them can be actually grown inside, Deirdre. You don't necessarily need to have a, a, a an area ready outside, and the soil conditions are just too wet for sowing mm-hmm. anything directly into the garden soil now. But so many of our garden vegetables can be sown from seed, particularly the leaf crops, the salads, the lettuce, pak choy, lambs, lettuce, all of those, all the garden herbs can be germinated from seed indoors and are homes are still lovely and warm so if you simply sow them in pots I actually brought you in some okay. there's some night scented stock. stock so that was sown three weeks ago just in the pot in this simple pot about 30 seeds simply sprinkled on the top of the surface a little bit of cling film over the, the surface of it sat on the windowsill and here presto within three weeks later they've already germinated yes. and they are ready they are frost hardy so they can go out but I won't put them out until the weather improves slightly the weather condition or the soil conditions get a little bit drier but that's a lovely plant night scented stock it's not the most beautiful plant in flower, mm. but it's got the, a fantastic perfume at night time. So as the night, particularly from June onwards, as the temperature cools down in the evening time, there's a fantastic scent from that and it carries right through to the end of the summer. It's a really, really sweet scent from night scented stock. And I suppose just in terms of the aesthetic of it, I mean, if it isn't that awfully pretty, although it's not ugly either no, for that matter, but I suppose you could mix and match it with something else. You could, of course. If you, you were could putting mix it, it with, in pots or beds absolutely, or whatever. Absolutely, mix it with other plants or put it in pots or containers or put it outside a window or, or a patio door and you get that lovely fragrance. But Beautiful. I really brought in to show you how the seeds have germinated And you can rapidly. really see that. I mean, yeah. there's just a big bunch of them. Uh, They're of, all together. Yeah. I probably need a little bit of picking. 
getting out of this stage, do they? Transplanting out um, as once I plant them out of doors in, a, in maybe next week or, or in ten days' time. I've also brought you some, some sweet, sweet peas. Pea, yeah. So they have been again germinated from seed on the windowsill. Okay, and because the ground is a good weeks. ten or a oh, twelve. Yeah. You can pack yeah. them in, put, put them in. So small pots and containers, Tupperware items, anything at all that will hold a little bit of compost that will drain Yogurt pots. properly. Pots, yeah, anything at all, and remember to cover them with a clean film. But really, the the important thing is is for people that want to get a head start in the vegetable garden I would advise the sowing of vegetable seed and there's a great range from Sutton's this year a new range yep. called the Speedy Veg and as the name suggests does it live up to its it name? It does here's some I, we actually sowed here's some I made earlier here's some I, I sowed four weeks <laughs> so ago so we have some lovely lettuce, lettuce. it's this a form is, of lettuce I yeah. can't remember the name of that it's one oak, exactly oak leaf lettuce oak leaf yes yeah, it's this lovely dark red form but that was sown from seed literally four weeks ago it's nearly ready for, for, <laughs> for it's trimming. nearly ready for yeah it I is, mean yeah. that's that that's that's not just a seedling by any no, means. No, no, it's it's ready for for harvesting yeah. now. And and like I always say, if you if you actually peel the ve- the lettuce plants rather than cutting them, um, you know, actually cutting the them at soil level, if mm. you just take as much as you want on a regular basis, they continue to grow and flourish right through the the spring and summer season. So look for those in your local garden centre. There, uh, a, a new range of seed from Sutton's called the Speedy Veg. There's a whole range of different varieties from spinach to different varieties of of leaf lettuce. And, and um, salad leaves as well and they're all I suppose designed to mature very quickly okay. so you sow the seed and within four weeks three to four to five weeks they're ready for picking and harvesting and they'd be perfect to grow indoors say on a windowsill conservatory patio greenhouse tunnel that sort of area sow the seed every four to six weeks and it'll give you continued cropping then right through the, the whole summer and what kind of crops are in that range of speedy well, it, well, I mean, so we have lettuce there yeah there's, there's also spinach there's a, a lovely one called spicy leaf mix, which is a range of different um, oriental leaves that Ooh, have lovely. a lovely pungent, spicy uh, mix to them. So they're really good. Um, so people that like kind of a bit of a punch in their salad or mm-hmm. in their sandwiches or whatever, that's a really good one. The baby leaf um, spinach is also there. There's about four or five different varieties of lettuce within that family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sutton's have actually selected a range that are going to be very, very fast maturing. And so they're those kind of leafy ones. They're cut and come. Yeah, so that suit the veggie pot in particular, and, and which is a unit for the self-contained unit for growing vegetables. So ideal for the likes of that. You also have in the Sutton's range too, which I thought are quite clever, and we featured these before. These are the seed tapes. Yes. So they're they're particularly root crops. So things like carrots and parsnips, beetroots, radishes, and they're done in a simple tape. Yeah. So we'll just remind people of. Uh, I know we have talked about these in years past on the program, um, but just to describe to listeners what that. What so they basically, are. The, the the challenge with with many of the root vegetables is the thinning of them. So particularly like carrots and parsnips, the seed is so small; it's very difficult to actually sow them in a, in, a, in a fashion that doesn't need thinning out. Which means that you have to select some of the seedlings and take them out to give space for the others to grow. And that's a bit of a chore, and it also invites in some pests. So Sutton's came up with, come up, came up with this idea of putting the seeds, impregnating the seeds into a tape. So it's like sellotape. And it's about the, the, the diameter of the width of sellotape. And it comes in a, in a uh, 10 metre roll. Yeah. So you literally just scoop out the soil in your raised bed or in your garden or in your window box if you want. 
and literally put the tape into the soil and cover it with, with a, a small layer soil, of soil, yeah. water, and hey presto, they germinate. And you can see them through the light there. See how they're all... And because they've been spaced, spaced. out, then they're not yeah. all clumped together. Because exactly. that can sometimes, I suppose it's great, and you see, you sow your seeds and you probably over, err, you know, err on the side of caution, put too many too in, many because in. we're always afraid that they won't take or they'll yeah. fail. And then when it comes to, I suppose, the, the, the thinning out as such, sometimes then it can be difficult because they're so packed in exactly. together. So this and kind of, uh, kind of gets a rid of all that. Because that's the idea. They've selected again a range of, of um, seeds that are kind of difficult to to, uh, to um, thin out. So beetroots, radishes, spinach again, um, and also the root crops like parsnips and carrots um, are also available in the tape. So they're s- simply sold as tapes. Again, a fun way for kids to, to sow seeds as well out of doors because it's very tactile. It's very easy for the kids to actually, you know, manage and, and, and handle the um, item. They can also, if they hold the tape up against a light, you can actually see the seeds through them. So a fun way for children in particular to get them interested in growing their five a day. So look for those. They're, they're available from Sutton's. The other one I brought you in is wheatgrass. Okay, I, do you know I've never uh, had wheatgrass, okay. uh, and I know it's a it's be, it's be, it's I know obviously very good for you, um, and it's something that uh, has become very popular in recent years. Yeah, so if you want to detox, and if you want to um, particularly wheatgrass, you grow it from seed. So you simply sow the seed. It'll actually grow in water or in tissue paper or in soil, and it germinates again within four to six weeks. And all you do with your scissors, you cut the, the foliage, you juice it, put it into a juicer, and hey presto, it gives you a lovely tonic I drink. I love it. Excellent. And that can be used as well uh, and sown from seed at this time of year. Very, very easy to sow. So there's lots of, this is the time of year, our homes are lovely and warm. So that's the point I'm making. If you're not gardening outside, it's a great time of year to get a head start. And not only does it apply to the vegetable plants we mentioned, but many of the flowering plants like your marigolds and your geraniums mm. and your tomato plants, they're all for sown from seed at this time of year. And remember, we did feature the potatoes last week. You can plant those in pots and containers at this time of year as well. Again, if you just want to get a head start or the point I was making last week is going to your local garden centre, get your seed potatoes, particularly varieties that you're not going to get in the shops. So varieties like the, the lovely King Edwards or Satanta or Sharps Express and uh, sprout them, get them sprouted and get them started and you can plant them out then as the weather okay. improves. The other key thing at this time of year, Deirdre, is fruit. And, and rhubarb is actually ready for harvesting at the moment. Um, so the planting of, of, of fruit in particular, and again, it's a great uh, thing to do with children in particular. So things like the blueberries, the raspberries, the blackcurrants. But here's a great tip. During the summer, the, generally the problem is that we get a glut of fruit. And particularly last year, there were so many apples, so many blackcurrants and gooseberries. And generally people have this glut of fruit. Now, particularly berries freeze extremely well. So one of the, one of the uh, projects I did last year was harvest a lot of the berries. So things like red currants, white currants, blackberries, the wild blackberries, mm-hmm. uh, blueberries, raspberries, which come in many different types, taberries, which are absolutely fantastic and very tangy, if you like that kind of tangy flavour. All you simply do is you collect them, you wash them and you freeze them. And then you use them during the winter period in smoothies yes. in particular. Yep. And smoothies are a great way to get children eating fruit in particular because the, the, the flavour if you ask a child to eat a bowl of fruit they're just going to turn their nose up at it let's be honest but f- things like strawberries and most most of the buried fruit store for up to a year or even up to 18 months yeah. so you can have them in your freezer use them during the winter period and um, it's a great way to get children interested in 
in not only growing fruit, but also eating fruit during the winter period. And you can always slip in a, uh, something a little bit different, an orange or a little bit of pineapple or a little bit oh, of Oh, sure. Like the world's your oyster with you smoothies. Know, and really. so can, easy yep. to make. So easy to make. And you can sneak in an odd vegetable as well. But a great way to get children involved in, in both, not just the growing, but the harvesting and also then making the smoothies during the winter and spring period. So the fruit that we grew last year is still being used at this time of year in smoothies. And of course you were saying that there's uh, the flowering end of things this year is, you know, quite prolific. So I'm sticking to that. Yeah, so prediction. we're possibly looking at a pretty good harvest <laughs> as well. At, I know that's yeah. way down the line yet. But. Yeah, so and you'll see it in the cherry trees already. They're just on the point of flowering. So they're at least a week or 10 days early this year, but they're going to be absolutely covered in flowers. So the plants at the moment that are heavily flowering are things like the lovely yellow forsythii is brilliant at the moment. The flowering red currant has just has just mm started to come into flower. The camellias are absolutely covered in flowers. Plants like rhododendrons and azaleas and all the spring flowering plants are just going to be a ball of colour. So that'll apply to our apple trees, our pear trees and most of our, our strawberries and most of our fruiting plants are going to fruit and flower. They're going to flower very well this year. It'll all depend on the bees if we get a nice May, April and May and the bees are out and they're foraging on the flowers, then that's going to set the fruit. So we need the bees to... So the flowers are one thing, but without the bees you just don't get that cross-pollination. But it's certainly going to be a spring of colour, definitely. The the last summer has teed us up very well and has ripened the flowering wood and we're just going to be into a great year of flowering and colour uh, in particular. Things just need to dry up. Small, it does. I was just going to say, so we'll wait until the end of the coming week, and yeah. hopefully we'll so be look, there then. Some of the things that people can be doing, uh, like all the vegetable plants are available at the moment. Things like broccoli, Brussels sprouts. So if, if you're fortunate enough to have a, an area like a, a tunnel, you mm. can certainly be planting away. But the soil conditions are just too wet directly out of doors at the moment. Fine in pots and containers, but hold off on the planting out of stuff just yet and let things dry up a small bit. OK, great stuff. We will take a quick break. Um, we have some questions in. Uh, if there is anything you would like Porrick to address specifically on the programme on your behalf this morning, it's 87 41. If you're texting or uh, WhatsApping us, for that matter and uh, of course that service with thanks to Supermax and Papa John's or 0818 3055 Cathy is working on the programme with us this morning This St. Patrick's weekend your luck could be in with the Lotto Plus Million Euro Raffle Play Lotto Plus tonight for your chance to share an extra 1 million euro guaranteed and you could be turning those nightmare wheels into your dream ride Just ask for Lotto with Lotto Plus Play responsibly in-app, in-store or at lottery.ie. Mayo Day, the day dedicated to the celebration and the culture. Vibrant communities and unquenchable spirit of County Mayo returns for its fifth year on Saturday 4th of May 2019. Mayo Day and the Big Hello Weekend are about connecting with neighbours and friends. We're inviting communities to get involved by organising local Big Hello events over the Maybank holiday weekend under the theme of Mayo Day. Grants are available for events. For more information, log on to mayo.ie. Closing date for applications is extended to Friday, March 22nd. This March in Home Store and more. All Pyrex, all car accessories and all wall mirrors and clocks are half price. But better hurry, because when all the half price Pyrex is gone, it's gone. And when all the half price car accessories are gone, they're gone too. And as for all the half price wall mirrors and clocks, when they're gone, they're definitely gone. All offers available online at homestoreandmore.ie as well as in-store at homestoreandmore. Well Park Retail Park Galway, Castle Bar Retail Park and N4 Axis Retail Park Longford. Homestore and more. 
Your home made more. Want a second-hand car that will leave you speechless? Down in the industrial estate, Kilchamar Road, Claremorris, Liam Feeney Cars has a selection of luxury and prestige used cars that have to be seen to be believed. Top-of-the-range Audis, Mercs and BMWs that are quite simply unbelievable. Don't believe me? Well, see for yourself. Liam Feeney Cars, industrial estate, Kilchamar Road, Claremorris. Luxury used cars that will leave you speechless. Open six days. It's back, bigger and better than ever. It's the Wild West Music Fest in Kilconnelly, Tune County Galway on the Maybach holiday weekend. May 3rd to the 5th featuring Michael English, Mike Denver, Johnny Brady, Derek Ryan, Stuart Moyles and many more. Special St. Patrick's Day promotion of a weekend ticket for only €50. Book now on wildwestcountryfest.com. For all your lawn and garden machinery requirements, think quality, think reliability, think Honda. The power of dreams. See the range at McHale Agri Forest and Garden, Sir Ernst Chain Road, Castle Bar. Click on McHaleAgri.ie or call 094 Uh, you're very welcome back. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio. It's Saturday morning, bank holiday weekend, and uh, we have lots to look forward to pork uh, gardening wise over the coming week. Questions. Let's turn our attention yep. uh, to Shoot. what people are uh, interested in this morning. Where can I purchase a oleander? Or I'm holding if I'm pronouncing that correctly now. Oleander, yeah. oleander tree. We often see them in Italy and Spain along the streets and promenades. They have a fantastic scent. Will they grow in our wet conditions? Asks Tommy. Only well, first of all, Tommy, just to it, and it's a beautiful plant. If you, and anywhere in the Mediterranean, you'll see the Olandier. They're, they're actually Nerim Olandier is the is the botanical name of the plant. It gets the name from being similar to the olive tree. So oh. the, the leaves are kind of um, they're they're like a, 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 a well, they're bigger than an olive tree, but they're that silvery color and a beautiful flower, and they come in a whole range of different colors. So the first thing that Tommy needs to remember is that because they grow in the Mediterranean, they won't necessarily grow here in Ireland unless you grow them um, outside for the summer and take them in for the winter, like a geranium. The other thing with Olandier is it's a poisonous plant. So the flowers, the foliage and the stem are poisonous. So do bear that in mind that if you've got small children or, or pets, don't have the plant. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have the plant uh, if, if, if that's the situation. So you can grow it as a... Um, I suppose like a geranium plant as a summer flowering plant a, a year like last year Olandier would flower brilliantly because it mm-hmm. needs that Mediterranean type climate it dislikes our wet soils and it's not frost hardy so it will die during the winter but if you want to give it a go the time to plant them would be April early May um, plant them out of doors in a big terracotta pot in a sunny location from May through to September it should flower reasonably well and that will all be depending on the weather if okay. we get a sunny, dry summer like last year, it'll flower its head off as it does in Italy and Spain and, and all over the Med. Um, but if we get a typical Irish summer, it'll you get very few flowers from it and it'll be mainly a, kind of a leafy type plant. So it, that should be available in your local garden centre from April, May, near I'm Olandier. Are they, uh, and are they are easy, easy to get here, are they? Well, yeah, they're, yeah you, you will get them. Yeah. You will, and, and if a garden centre doesn't have one in stock, they can order yeah, one in yeah. for you. But it's not a typical plant that we would sell in Ireland just simply down to you really need the really warm conditions and and right across the Mediterranean they they flower probably year round to be Mm. honest because they don't get the frost and they don't get the wetness that we get but just an interesting plant and a very easy plant to grow but do remember that it is a poisonous plant so if your dog or cat or a child took a piece of it it can be dangerous Okay, poisonous to oh right, so all 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 beings as they say parts of it flowers, the stems and the foliage on uh, Nirum Olandier is is poisonous 
Okay, good. Good word of warning on that. Now, hey there, I have a 10-year-old weeping willow. It's approximately six foot tall with lots of brown dead branches, but also lots of green, healthy branches. Is it okay to cut away all the dead stems now? Yes, it is. Anything that's dead can be removed. And that's just atypical of weeping willows, particularly the dwarfs. This is one called Capria pendula, which is only a small willow. Um, It's six feet after 10 years. So um, typically you'd see it in the front gardens. And the new growth grows out on top of the older growth, if that makes sense. So you get the continual new growth right on top, which tends to suppress the light from the branches underneath and hence they die. So you tend to get this woody build up right underneath the tree. So go in, prune that out, remove it all. It'll be brittle, it'll be easy to identify. Cut that back, leave the rest of it alone, give it a feed and it'll be perfectly fine. That should be done every two to three years to keep it young and healthy. Because the build up of the old wood as well leaves the, the willow vulnerable to wind because it makes it heavier and, and often you see with willows after stormy weather they get knocked over and yeah. that's really just and they the can bone. be a bit scraggy I suppose they as well can. if they're not yeah. uh, tipped up every so, so often yeah. so every two years remove all the dead wood that can be done anytime during the winter or early spring period right up until they come into full leaf in, in uh, April now, hi there. Can you ask for a what area will the 2.5 litre pack cover? The moss on my tarmac is quite heavy and this is the first time using the pack. Okay, well, if, if the moss is very... The normal application rate is 1 to 10 um, and that would be for kind of atypical uh, moss growth. But if it's very heavy, you can move to, to 1 to 5. You can make it twice as strong. So at the 1 to 10 rate, it'll cover 200 square metres, which is a very large area. But obviously, if it's a 1 to 5 mix, then it'll cover 100 square metres. So my advice is really to put it on at the 1 to 5 rate if the moss is very heavy. Pack should be only used on hard surface areas like gravel, patios, tarmacadam walls, that type of thing. It takes about six to seven days to work. But can, but can be very effective. Oh, it's very effective, but you do need to apply it on a dry day. So that's important. It needs about two hours drying after you apply it. So use it at a one to five rate. That'll cover 100 square metres for you. And then every year after that, you use it at the one to 10 and it'll cover 200 square metres. Great. I had shrubs I wanted to get rid of. I put SBK on last November. Okay. The good news is that there's no sign of life now. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> TG, how long before I can dig it up? Uh, I don't have a name, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. So you want to get rid of the shrubs? Yes. Well, obviously the SBK. SBK is a brushwood killer. It's very suited for we often recommend it for ivy when you know climbing ivy up on 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 poles or or trees that people want to get rid of so it's generally used on woodier plants so it's the perfect solution for the shrubs look at dig them up they're dead now if you apply it in november they're totally dead you can literally some of the shrubs won't re-root again so if they're very large you can literally just cut them to ground level and plant beside them or indeed the next dry day go out dig up the shrubs and and plant away the SBK won't contaminate the soil so there's no danger if the, if the listener wants to replant into that area again so really you're good to go it's done the job and take them out whenever you want now can, how do I stop rabbits and vermin from eating cabbage plants I sowed five no, 50, I think, actually. Oh, Sorry, cabbage plants. plants okay. Yeah. Uh, out in a big field yeah. last week when I went out again to check my plants in five days' time, they were all eaten. I'm fed up, says uh, Sean. Well, and we I don't, don't blame you, I Sean. Don't blame you. I don't, we don't be fed up. The rabbits are, are, are you know, uh, being prolific as well. So look at the, the treatment to use is a treatment called grazers. That's very effective on all edible plants where you want to keep rabbits, hares, goats. Um, I gave some actually to, to the tidy towns in Mulrani 
uh, last year, I think it was last year. Okay, and how did that work out? And I I met them in the garden centre recently and I was asking that very question. I just, for the crack, I said, look, try this because Mm. a huge goat problem and it worked brilliantly on their bedding plants and and their ornamental plants. It kept the goats away. So basically, grazers is, is calcium in a liquid. You mix it with water, you spray it onto your cabbage plants or your lettuce plants or whatever edible plants it can be used on. It can be used in flowers as well. And any grazing pla- pe- uh, vermin, uh, rabbits, hares, goats, uh, deer, it keeps them. They dislike the taste of it. And um, I remember being in a garden in Kildare where the, where the, uh, the, cus- the customer had sprayed lavender just as a test, they had a problem with hairs. Okay. And uh, sprayed maybe five or six lavender on one side of the bed and left the others. And, and how did, yeah. the, the difference was just amazing. The, ra- the hairs literally went to the ones that were untreated and, and left the others alone. So it works really well. Now, because it's a spray, because the... The, um, the grazers. The grazers, thank you. Because the grazers is a spray, you do need to repeat it. So if, if this listener had put it on, say, last week or the week before, it, it would work whilst the weather is dry, but after prolonged rain, you need to reapply. So, you know, ideally put on a dry day. A couple of showers is not going to knock it away, but um, you do need to repeat it if we get prolonged wet weather. Wet weather, right. Okay. You're going to ask me something there. Uh, it's not, obviously not harmful in oh, any no, capacity no, to, harmful yeah, to, to, the, to the no, plant it's, itself. No, it's literally calcium and, and it's not harmful to humans or to the plant itself. So um, you can literally spray the... the cabbage today and eat it tomorrow type of thing but it's particularly suitable for this listener where you're putting in young cabbage plants and young vegetable plants and that's when it's most harmful a little bit of damage later on is not going to be as as problematic but when they're so vulnerable and the plants are just going in and the rabbits get on them straight away I mean it just destroys them so I would use the grazers when the plants are young and as they're growing and it helps to keep them away but you do need to repeat it I mean it's not just a one you know you do need to but the bottle is fairly large and and the dilution rate is fairly high so it to cover quite a good area. Now, I'd love to plant a bed of highly scented roses. As a child, I remember my mum growing scented roses. What types are good? Should I mix the colours or... and? Or and then separately are peppers and hot chilies hard to grow. Also, what tomatoes can I grow indoors on a windowsill in a sunny spot? Somebody's busy. Right. Well, well let's go with roses one, first. Let's d- do with the seeds. So, so yes, you can. You can grow chilies and, and oh. hot peppers. Um, Apache is a lovely if you want a really good hot pepper or a hot chili. There's one called Apache, which is really good. But there's loads of different varieties available at the moment. They're very easy to sow. Do them in exactly the way I mentioned earlier in a pot in compost. Cover them with cling film. They'll germinate in two weeks and grow on and keep them inside preferably. Tomatoes, all their plants are available at the moment but you can sow them from seed still right up to the end of March so there's plenty of good varieties available there Um, and again the uh, peppers, they can all be sown from seed at this time of year in terms of roses, I prefer planting roses as one one variety in one bed Um, so rather than putting a whole mixture of different colours, now you can, you can mix different colours together but they tend to be of different heights and they tend to flower at different times of year. So it's often better to plant just a full bed of scented roses. The ones that come to mind there's a lovely variety called Sheila's Perfume. Mm. Which, as the name suggests, is highly scented. It's a hybrid tea rose that has actually two different colours in the flower. So it's red in bud, and then as it opens, it produces a lovely red and yellow or red and orange colour. Oh. So it's a really, really nice one, and a, and a lovely rose for cutting as well. So that's one called Sheila's Perfume, a lovely rose, very easy to grow. Um, plant them now, and they will flower this coming summer. You've also, um, in memory of our mum, there's a, a, a lovely rose called Mum and a Million. 
which again is highly scented. Again, it's two-tone. It's pink and white mm-hmm. and very easy to grow and again can be planted this time of year. Romance is a lovely um, rich pink, kind of bordering on red, but quite, an, quite a nice variety. Peace, if you like a, a, a bright yellow rose, something really bright, with not too big of a flower, Peace is a really nice rose. Um, it tends to be very... A, a really strong yellow in bud and then as it opens it goes to a lighter shade of yellow and so you can pick it at different st- stages but it's really nice um what other ones grandpa dixon is another highly scented rose fragrant cloud is another one pop into your local garden center that they'll have them available at this time of year for planting my advice is to plant them all of the one variety because you get this uniformity they'll all come into flower it'll be they'll be all the same height and they'll need the same care type of thing so you'll have that sense of spectacle you really will. you yeah. will rather than mixing a whole range of different of different colors so yeah visually it'll look far better and then from a cutting point of view all of those that i mentioned are scented and are they all stem roses that we're talking about there you know the, yeah. i suppose what i would call the standard the, kind of rose as well, opposed they're, to they're climbers or oh yeah, they're, they're your standard bush rose. So yeah. they will grow kind of three feet high. They'll give you a nice long stem for cutting. So the likes of um, Sheila's perfume, it'll produce a stem at least three feet high. So you can cut it, say, two foot, and and take off the foliage and have it sitting in your vase. So it's an ideal cutting variety. So that's Sheila's perfume. Mum in a million is good. Romance, peace. Uh, Grandpa Dixon, Fragrant Cloud. There's lots of great varieties in the moment at the moment. And what about growing the tomato indoors on a windowsill in a sunny spot? Oh yeah, well it's perfect. Well the ones I would pick um, remember that you get tomatoes in a whole load most varieties are quite tall so they're over five, six feet which is ideal for greenhouse or tunnel. But if it's on a windowsill the one to grow is one called Totem. So Totem only grows literally 18 inches high in a pot it doesn't spread out too wide and it produces nice size medium size tomatoes so that's a really good one if you have a bit of width then there's a a variety called red profusion which tends to grow up and then outwards so it's more maybe for a patio door or a conservatory but it doesn't grow very tall again it only grows about a foot or 18 inches but it does spread out a little bit and tumbler is great in window boxes or hanging baskets because it tumbles down but on a windowsill a narrow windowsill look for the variety called totem it's a really good one now, can you you recommended slug resistant seed potatoes on the program last week? Uh, can you just remind us of what the name was and are they available online? Somebody's wondering. Oh, the, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're available online. Yeah, and they'll be shipped out. Um, so, a couple that I mentioned last week that are bli- are that are slug resistant or King Edwards in particular are very good. Kestrel, which is the daughter of the Cara potato, which is very good against slug. Um, Foremost, which is a first early variety, and Home Guards. Those four in particular, so Home Guards, Foremost, um, King Edward, and what was the other? And Kestrel. Those and they're and, and their variety. Well, Home Guards you will get to buy, but the others you won't get to buy in the shop. So King Edward's, um, the Foremost, mm. and the the Kestrel. Kestrel is a lovely variety because it's actually got these little pink eyes. So kids love them. They're, they're kind of very unusual. So they're a, a creamy, a creamy flesh with these little pink eyes, where the, the, the where, the, the, where right. the, spo- the sprouts grow yeah. from. Yeah. So they're unusual that way, but they're a lovely flowery potato and uh, very good variety. So any of those were quite good. No. And generally, if you grow the early varieties, you tend to avoid slug damage. So Sharps Express, Red Duke of York, all of those early Colleen, which is a lovely Irish variety. <clears throat> you're generally digging them out of the soil before the slugs get at them. Anyway, okay. it tends to be more the main crop varieties that are more slug uh, 
prone, prone and, right. and problematic. Slugs not as active at, in, the in the earlier part of the growing season. season. Exactly, and, and you tend to have them out of the soil before that becomes a problem. So maybe stick to the earlies and those four varieties I mentioned. But they are available online. Great stuff. Now, uh, will mulberry trees grow in Ireland? I planted mine about two years ago. It seems fine with new buds, but I don't have a clue how to prune, feed or care for this plant. Advise, please. Okay, the old mulberry bush. There's a song about that, isn't there? Or there's something there is a children's the isn't there? Uh, something here we go around anyway. the mulberry um, bush, yes. So mulberries, so mulberries, yeah, mulberry grows as a tree, but the fruit it produces is, is quite unusual. It, it the fruit is very much like a um, loganberry or a taberry or a raspberry. It's kind of got a, a long black fruit. There's three colours. There's white mulberries, red mulberries and black mulberries. Um, so, and they, they come from different parts of, of the world, um, all three different ones. But the black one in particular uh, is probably the easiest to grow and will tend to grow best in Ireland. So it tends to deal with the wet conditions and, and our winds and all of that. So look for the black mulberry. It produces black fruit, very similar to a, a long raspberry, like a loganberry. Okay. And what you find with mulberries is that they don't fruit all together like strawberries. They tend to fruit a bit like blueberries over a very long period. When you get the plant, it will take generally four to maybe seven years for it to fruit. So it tends to do a lot of growing for the first... It's a tree, effectively. So it's going to grow... I can't can't even place it in my head. 15 feet. Yeah. Yeah, well, it it is unusual. It's not... You know, most of our trees produce rounded fruit, like apples or pears or or, um, plums and so on. Whereas the the, the mulberry produces this long loganberry-type fruit. And it produces it over a long period. So you tend to be... You're picking it for maybe two months of the year, a bit like blueberries. But it's a tree... Um, it doesn't like heavily wet soils, so but it is fr- totally frost hardy here in Ireland, and and they grow it all over the world. Um, I think in America, from from memory, they they brought it in for the silkworm. <gasps> that's right, the silkworm that? feeds the mulberry leaves. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's how it came into to America, and they have their own native mulberry as well, and and they've cr- crossed the whites and, and the reds and the blacks together so you can get different varieties of it. So that's me rambling on about mulberries. So the, to okay. your question is, yes, they will grow in Ireland. Go for the black variety, preferably. Do remember it's going to take a number of years for them to fruit, but once they start fruiting, they're generally very, very reliable. The time to plant them is in April, so another month. Leave them for another month and plant them then. And, um, yeah, they're, you know, novel, novelty. Item. Novelty, yeah. Okay. But well worth growing and they do grow in Ireland. Okay, we're Something going to a bit different. We're going to take a break. We're back in a few moments. It's round six of the Allianz Football League this weekend and Mayo face the trip to Tralee on Saturday. The Green and Red face a tricky test against Kerry as they look to bounce back from defeats to Dublin and Galway. Throw in for the game of seven with Tom Kearney and Alan Dillon on commentary duty for us. So join us for round six of the Allianz Football League on Midwest Radio this Saturday evening with McHugh's Supermax and Papa John's Pizza Ballandine, fueling you to your destination. Enjoy your independent time. Be our guest. Where are the 50 best places to stay in Ireland? We and Travel has the ultimate guide. Grub of the Green. Celebrate St. Patrick's Day with updated Irish recipes in Weekend Kitchen. Hunger Game. And in sport, as Ireland head to Wales, Tony Ward assesses if Joe Schmidt or Warren Gatland will leave the greatest legacy on Six Nations Rugby. Irish Independent and Independent.ie on Saturday. It's your weekend. 
Kilkelly's first ever St. Patrick's Day Parade is at 5.30. Welcoming all patrons and floats for a fantastic evening. First ever St. Patrick's Day Parade in Kilkelly at 5.30. Landlords, self-employed and small businesses. Are you paying too much tax or need accounts advice? Have you property you need managed, valued or want to sell? With over 25 years experience and a 98% success rate, Billy Heffern and his team are the licensed experts you need to talk to. Go to BillyHeffern.com or call 096-71712 to book your free consultation today. For all your lawn and garden machinery requirements, think quality, think reliability, think Honda. The power of dreams. See the range at McHale Agri Forest and Garden, Sir Ernst Chain Road, Castle Bar. Click on McHaleAgri.ie or call 094-90-27896. More and more people are turning to SEAT. Why? It's quite simple. More models to choose from, advanced design and technology. Technology like SEAT wireless phone charging, allowing you to stay connected for longer without any messy wires in the way. And with SEAT's best ever spring offers, including scrappage of €2,000 across the entire SEAT range and some of the most competitive finance on the market, even more people are moving to SEAT. This March, visit Rochford Motors Ballyhonus and find out what you've been missing out on. See rochfordmotors.seat. Terms and conditions apply. Start your story at Woody's Matte, satin or gloss There's three for two on all Dulux interior paint A powerful 20% of all power tools And all laminate flooring Now up to half price Woody's, we're all homemakers Teas and season exclusion supply one of the most popular pieces of music on Midwest Radio over the past year has been The Ways of Kilkee, as performed by Father James McDonough. Well, now you can have your very own copy of the piece by purchasing the album Rose and the Heather, direct from Midwest Radio, price $16.99, including postage and package. The album, containing 25 tracks, includes songs, jigs, reels and slow airs, and also includes The Ways of Kilkee. For full details, call Midwest Radio on 094-963-1700 or log on to MidwestRadio.com. The Ways of Kilkee by Father James McDonough, available now from Midwest Radio. No, you're <laughs> welcome. It's usually the other way around. Where's the question there? Oh, we lost that one first go before on. I go. Because we don't normally get this kind of a version of Ivy. It's usually how do we kill it? Uh, how would I? What would I use to boost Ivy? Boost it on. Well, and look at Ivy is one of the best. It's a fantastic climbing plant, and there's some lovely varieties like Old Child and Gold Heart and Paddy Sprite. I have one that grow in the back of my um, shed, and the, <laughs> the birds nest in it every year. It's a it's a beautiful plant. Um, so what to boost it with? Well, this the time of the year to give it, give um, plants in general a feed. Now, don't do it today, but over the next week, give it a dressing of something like the Osmo Pro 6 fertilizer. It's a tree and shrub feed. It'll give it a boost. The other thing that Ivy should get is a bit of a trim back now, a light trimming back just before it comes into growth. They're just on the cusp of, of coming into leaf now. So give them a light trim back give them a feed and they'll be perfectly fine. Now, somebody has sent us in a photograph of a hydrangea yeah. which we've had a look at. Um, so it was planted three years ago. It's it, it, it's a, I suppose it is a bit uh, struggling to it's say sad. the least it's a bit challenged wherever <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> it was planted three years ago grows very, this big every year which isn't that big what can I do uh, from oh from Michelle is in Shepherd's Bush in London Oh, interesting. Sorry, well, just saw the latter Michelle, internet. what I would do with that plant, and it's it's mm, it's just coming into leaf, so it's it's not too late. So what I would do is dig it up. It's only three years old. It's quite a young plant. Hydrangeas need a huge amount of organic matter to 
they're hungry plants basically and they need to be in a very rich soil and they need to be in a moist retentive soil so if, during the summer if it gets any really dry hydrangeas suffer really badly but this one is hungry and there's a lot of competition around the base where there's other plants in around the base so my advice would be to dig it back up get yourself a couple of bags of organic farmer manure you'll get them in your local garden centre dig that into the soil and then put your hydrangea the plant itself is perfectly fine but it's struggling to grow and, and the soil conditions just aren't doing it any favour mm-hmm. and the competition with other plants around it so pick a spot in the garden where it can, can spread get a bit of, of, of uh, width into it because it will grow three feet or four feet wide and put down the organic matter pop it back in if we do get into dry weather in May and June keep it well watered and it'll come back perfectly fine again and feed it and nurture it on that's all it needs Okay Now uh, leather jackets on the lawn eating it away how do I get rid of them? Well, the only treatment to use are the uh, nematodes, which, um, you know, I was going to say, yeah, it's going to be cold for them again. So I would leave those until um, mid-April. So you get them again, your local garden centre, ask for the the leather jacket nematodes. This one specifically for lawns. It covers quite a big area. You simply put them into a a washing can or a a sprayer and spray it onto the lawn area and that will control them. So leave it for about another two or three weeks, apply the nematodes and that will see them off. Now, I have laurels which were planted last November. Okay. When and with what do I feed the masks, Bernie? Okay, well, the first thing Bernie should do is trim them back, trim the tops of the laurel. That'll encourage them to fill out and, and branch out. They're probably looking a bit sad over the winter. They're probably bet and battered a little bit, which would be typical of young laurels. Um, feed them with the Osmo Pro 6, like we mentioned, about a handful to each plant. Just sprinkle it around the base of them. Again, wait till the weather dries up a little bit. But the first thing I would do, Bernie, is prune them back. Just take maybe four to six inches off the the tops, any side branches, trim them very lightly as well. That'll help to thicken out the hedge and fill it out properly. Make sure there's no weeds at the base of the hedge and then put on the Osmo Pro 6 and it'll be fine. Now, uh, we have black bugs on my clematis or clematis, a climbing plant on the new stems and leaves. Is this unusual and what to do? The mild weather has green fly and black fly and all the aphids out already so it's it's uh, it is uncommon for normal by March, they're generally not out. The weight of the weather picks up, but it's been just so mild. Mm. So that's a sign, and they t- tend to go on to new growth, particularly on roses and clematis, that's softer growth. So look, at go to your local garden centre, get a an organic spray, if you wish, or, or a um, something like Bug Clear. You can get ready to use. Just spray it onto the foliage of the clematis, and that'll kill them overnight. It is important to get rid of them, because they're sucking the energy and life out of the clematis. And... Um, it's not going it's to flourish. So yeah, get rid of, or if you have a little bit of rose clear in the shed or something like that that has a bit of insecticide in it, that'll kill them off. Okay, great. Um, now, I planted my begonia bulbs in small pots yesterday. Great. Now, so which I got last year the bulbs. Uh, I dug them up later in the year, so they were in the ground from what I gather. Do you think they'll bud and come again or am I wasting my time? I just didn't want to bin them. Yeah, no, it sounds like the listener lifted them in the autumn, yeah. which is the correct procedure. Mm-hmm. So begonias tend to flower up until October and at that time of year you literally dig them out, out of the soil and store them in the winter. So as long as the bulbs... As long as they feel kind of firm and weighty, that there's a bit of body in them, that they haven't rotted over the winter, then certainly pot them up. Now, they do look a bit wizened anyway uh, when you store them over the winter. You know, they're, they, they look as if they're dead-like. And even when you buy fresh begonia bulbs, they tend to look kind of, you know, they're <coughs> dishevelled. Yes. Um, so you did exactly the right thing. Pot them up now into pots and containers. Keep them inside in a warm windowsill. You could even cover them with a little bit of the cling film um, because that will help to keep the compost moist and it'll encourage the 
the young begonias to produce buds and then when you see those buds coming forward you can simply just lift off the cling film but they should be kept indoors in a bright windowsill certainly un- until the end of April and then plant it out because they're, they are frost hardy but begonias come back year after year they're well worth growing and that's the listener did exactly the right thing lifting them in the autumn and repotting them now can big shrubs be moved now? No, it's too late for the transplanting. I know I did say about the hydrangea, but that hydrangea is just coming into leaf and it's only a three-year-old plant. But for large shrubs, if you've got big shrubs in your garden, leave them until next October, November. Generally, the, the transplanting season starts in November and goes on till kind of this weekend. But as plants are coming into leaf now, they're actively growing, I wouldn't be moving anything. I'd leave them where they are and move them next autumn. Okay, and we're, we also have somebody grow, going to sow a grisselinia hedge. Would you Great. have any of this? Well, grisselinia is very, very easy to grow. So all you need to do is make sure that the ground is weed-free to start with. So get a little bit of weed-free spray, treat the area if it's grass or weeds there. And then it's a matter of digging the individual holes, putting down some organic compost and fertilizer, putting the grisselinia in and then taking the tops off them. So trim four or five inches off the top of the hedge, even it off and let it off. It'll be perfectly fine, very easy to grow. Okay, the present with the Bogonia bulb says, thank you very much, and she'll bring them in today, or he'll bring them in today. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, they left them, oh, they have them outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bring them in because the frost will kill them, so put them on the windowsill. Now, I need a screen or a hedge instantly. My neighbour has cut away a 10-foot Lalandii hedge and Ouch. left a large bare gap between us. Okay. Can I get plants six or seven <laughs> feet tall that are evergreen? Yes, you can. So you can you can get an instant hedge, an instant mature hedge. They're available in, in uh, so they'll be five, six feet tall. You put them, they're generally in metre-long troughs. You plant them, just um, butt them together and you've got yourself an, in, an instant hedge. So if screening is an issue, then yeah, certainly you can you can get them. We have them actually available in the gardens that are right up to six feet tall. Okay, so, so kind of semi-mature. Semi-mature, yeah. The they're six-year or seven-year-old yeah. uh, plants, so they're, they give you that instant okay. effect. Now, I got the orange fizz geranium plant last summer and it grew beautifully and was a pleasure to have in my patio. It has grown quite tall, about three feet. Can I cut it back and do or do I need to repot it? Um, Well, it depends on how big of a pot that the uh, lemon-scented geranium is in. They tend not to need repotting every year. So if it's in a fairly big pot, what you could do is take it out of the pot, take off any loose compost and repot it back into the same pot. That makes sense with fresh compost. So you're just you're putting this literally back into the same pot, but with just some fresh compost and you can add a little bit of slow release fertilizer to that. Cutting back, yes, you can. You can cut them back at this time of year. They tend to get leggy like that. So you can cut it back by half or you can cut it right down very close to the top of the pot, if you wish, back to two or three inches and it will reshoot again. You could try taking the cuttings of some of those the bits that you actually prune away, particularly the young growth at top, um, lemon-scented geranium roots very quickly if you put it into compost. Again, cover it with a, with a polythene bag, leave it on a windowsill and it might root for you as well so you get some young plants. But they have the great ability of reshooting again and the, the, the best intensity of that lo- lovely lemon scent is in the young foliage. So it, it does benefit from pruning yeah. back every year. And the smell is fabulous. Oh, I love it. I have it in my brilliant. kitchen as well and I just love it. You still have the plant, have you? I do, yes, for it. Yes, I haven't, well haven't managed done. to kill everything, don't you worry. <laughs> well, um, is, yeah, I was going to say they're such an easy plant. They are. I, I think that's by, I think that might be <laughs> the reason why I haven't killed it. But anyway, we'll move on. Somebody has a question. Uh, how? Uh, when should one trim a red currant bush and a black currant? Okay, so the, what to do with them is, so black currants and red currants fruit on previous season's wood, a bit like apple trees. So you can, if you go in and just cut them back like a rose bush, <laughs> you get no fruit this year. So the trick is to remove the old wood, and you'll generally know that 
because it's darker in colour. So the young growth tends to be a lightish brown colour. The older growth is nearly dark brown or black in colour and that's the wood to prune out. And generally with blackcurrants you remove one third of the old growth every year. Now to be honest, what I do with the blackcurrants is I prune them when I'm picking the fruit off them. Because then you know you're picking the fruit off the old growth and you just cut it out. Oh, that's clever because it's summertime. Yeah. Well, that's very good. Actually. Yeah, rather good, than good thinking tip. about it in the yeah. winter and you're trying to figure out well, which is which. But the, the, the rule of thumb is if, if there's dark wood in it, that's the oldest wood, and you remove one third of that and leave the other stems because that's where the fruit is going to be born this year. So, um, but my advice is this, this coming summer, wait to, for them to fruit. When you're picking your fruit, then go back and just cut that stem out and, um, and, uh, then, and, and then, then it's all know, done. And then it's done. You don't have to worry about it then during the winter period. And the same applies with red currants and white currants as well. Somebody's wondering about how they get rid of rushes in a new lawn. Well, the physical mowing will, will have some effect on them, but you can use, if the lawn is a year old, you can use the Dicofar uh, spray, which is um, specifically used for a specific lawn weed killer. It doesn't damage mm. the grass, but will kill broadleaf weeds and is effective on rushes. Now, rushes tend to be more susceptible if they're, if they've been cut back and let regrow. So my advice is the next dry day you get, go and cut your lawn as normal, cut the rushes and all, let them regrow and uh, once they regrow and they're kind of four or five inches high, hit them with the dicofar, so maybe about the middle of April. Add a little bit of, of um, washing up liquid to the mix because that helps to stick it onto the rush stems better. It, it, it applies the dicofar in a kind of even way onto the end. It helps to stick it onto the rush leaves because they can be quite um, slimy and slippery and it tends to run off. So my advice is get your lawn cut on the next dry day can, let it regrow, maybe feed it, let it regrow and then when the rushes are four or five inches high, hit them with the dicofar. You may need to repeat it in midsummer and that'll see them off. Lovely. You've obviously got, it, the lawn is obviously going to be a wet, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a type of heavy wet soil. soil. That because that, that, that encourages those. It rushes, sure does. Oh, they yeah yeah. They like that environment. They do. But, but the regular mowing is going to help to keep control of rushes. I mean, rushes need to grow tall, and the regular mowing is going to exhaust them eventually. But I would still use the dicofar just to get them cleaned out, oh. and it'll also clean out any other broadleaf weeds that might be there. Now, uh, somebody's wondering about a nice shrub for a small plot in a garden that would be low growing. Oh, well, there's such a, such a range of plants available. Again, my advice is, is pop into your local uh, garden centre. Um, having said that, there's a lovely plant called Helenium, which is a, a really low-growing plant with bright yellow flowers. So it kind of holds its green foliage in the winter, stays quite low, bright yellow flowers, you know, very neat, very compact. That's, that's quite a good one, Helenium. That's available in garden centres at the moment. But pop into your local garden centre. There's such a wide range You'll of... be spoiled for choice. Things. Maybe take a photograph of the area you're considering planting. Excellent. Yeah. and bring that in. I find that very useful when people come in with the actual picture you of their area. You can actually see that. Yeah, you can suit. give them a, a, an exact... Um, but there's lots of low-growing plants, lots of alpines available at the mo- moment and lots of good spring, summer-flowering shrubs. Okay, on the questions front, we're going to end with this one, Porik. Uh, do camellias need to be fed now? Uh, they're just flowering and do they have to be in a sheltered spot? The main time, we, so first of all, yes, put them in a sheltered spot. They dislike the kind of heavy wind that we're getting at the moment, so try and have them in a sheltered spot. Um, the other thing with feeding with camellias, you 
you generally start feeding them after flowering. Having said that, so normally you'd start feeding them from about the 1st of May right through to September because they build their buds up for next year. Having said that, you could give them a tonic now of a neuricaceous feed just to give the leaves a nice bit of lush green colour. Mm. So they'll benefit from a, from a feed now, but more importantly, feed them after flowering when they go out of flower at the end of April. Okay, great stuff. We're going to leave it there in the questions. I know you've got a new project starting. I have. So people can join me just online uh, at 10 o'clock this morning on thatsfarming.com. I recorded a piece uh, last week on planting potatoes, seen as St. Patrick's Day. So people go on to thatsfarming.com, that website, uh, you'll have a the gardening clip with me showing you how to plant potatoes and I feature the varieties we've been talking about Satanta um, what else did I plant I think I planted Colleen I did plant Colleen and Foremost or Rocket one of those as well in pots and containers so it's that's farming.com at 10 o'clock Okay great stuff and of course if you want to listen back to uh, uh, this programme it'll be up in about an hour's time on midwestradio.ie we'll have the podcast up Porik thanks indeed that is uh, gardening for this morning Morning. Thanks for all your questions as well and indeed your company. Over the last uh, three hours or so, Standby Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at 10 Country Classics right through until 1 o'clock here this afternoon on Midwest Radio from me, Deirdre Kelly. Until next Saturday, have yourselves a great St. Patrick's weekend. Enjoy the bank holiday and uh, we'll talk to you soon. For the moment, good morning to you.